This is an alternative universe. You see, there aren't any textbooks that teach about these principles. It's dangerous if the government gets in the business of propaganda. We need journalistic integrity now more than ever. Warning, you're listening to the Agenda 31 podcast with Corey Ive and Todd McGreevy. The thing, remember, names are for things. That is why the United States respects the sovereignty of the British people and their right of self-determination. For good reasons, we don't want the government to be the lead on that. Due to the unique division of political authority in the United States, U.S. citizens are residents in every state and should not attempt to copy the strategies employed by the hosts of the Agenda 31 broadcast without first consulting legal counsel. Do you have a license for this? Uh, motivation. What's uh, what, what, what is my motivation? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not okay with slavery, just so we're clear. As a U.S. citizen, you, you just don't own anything. You're just a, a user, and the government owns everything. And the assumption is everybody's a U.S. citizen. You know, you're going to have to shut up or I'm going to have you arrested. Because in America, we don't worship government. We worship God. Ah, Corey, if only that were true. Yes, if only that were true. Because in America, we don't worship government. We worship God. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Agenda 31. This is your co-host, Todd McGreevy, and I'm being joined by... Corey Ive in the morning. Todd in the morning to you, Corey. This is uh, we're recording live to tape here, and you also might be listening to us on the Agenda31.org/stream. It is Sunday morning, May fourteenth, two thousand seventeen, and this is episode one hundred and thirty-two. I have to admit, it's a gorgeous, beautiful spring day out here in Scott County, Iowa. Everything's turning green, Corey. Green shoots, they call it. Nice. Yeah, um, you know that, well, that should be brown out here in California pretty soon. We've had a fantastically wet winter, which means stuff grows like crazy. So that way, by uh, October, November, when the Santa Ana's come, the entire West Coast lights up on fire. <laughs> there are, and, and we need to blame it on all of us who drive non Priuses. It's all of our faults for the for the uh co2 emissions right but but even the prius owners will feel so guilty that they'll be happy to pay whatever it is they're told to pay yeah it's i'll tell you this this uh the first person ever brought up the concept that government is worshipped by people was my buddy uh um uh, michael elliott michael elliott one of the founders of super liberty one of the meetup groups around here and and maybe he got that from somewhere else i'm sure it's not a new original thought but it, it is what occurs before our very eyes one of the examples uh, I think that it bears discussing is is the uh, the Healthcare Act, the ACA that was passed a few years ago under the Obama yeah. regime, and all the hand wringing going over on right now uh, about supposedly so called repealing it, which is not what happened. But meanwhile, I, this came out April twenty sixth in the Washington Post, and it was republished by Reader Supported News. I mean, these are just hardcore progressives. And uh, the headline was, apparently, repealing Obamacare could violate international law. Have you heard about this oh, yet? Oh, I have, yes. <laughs> but, but wait a minute. Repealing health care, it is absolutely possible for that, for that to be true because of the way federal citizenship works. Okay, do tell. 
Well, okay. So if the um, if the federal government were to enter into a, a treaty, which is the only government or the only portion of government that has the authority to enter into treaties with a foreign nations is the federal government. The individual states, you know, the moment they entered the union, they gave up that, you know, they ceded that right to be able to enter into uh, treaties with other nations. Right. So if the federal government were to, prior to the 14th Amendment, enter into a treaty with another government that said, hey, we're going to ban all handguns. Well, the federal government doesn't have that authority to be able to negotiate um, with other states. So that a treaty like that being made in pursuance there of the Constitution, the the federal government doesn't have the authority. They, uh, they couldn't just come in and say, we're going to uh, legitimately say we're going to ban all handguns or come up with some sort of national registration or, you know, whatever the treaty is that would be with other countries – and have that treaty apply directly to the people and comport to the Constitution. But, but let's say the federal government prior to the 14th Amendment did make a treaty with another country. Th- then be, because it, it had no authority internally to execute on that, I mean, there's a reason why those tr- that never happened. But today it does. Today the federal government has citizens – that it does have the authority to say whether or not you can have a handgun. It does have the authority to say whether or not its citizens, if you think of Washington, D.C. as kind of like its own state, that its citizens will or will not have health care. I mean, if that's a treaty that the federal government entered into, it would only apply to U.S. citizens and uh, state citizens. That treaty would just not be applicable this is my conjecture. This is how I think it would work uh, when you get to the Supreme Court. Obviously, the experience has been that, yes, they're they're going to see you as a U.S. citizen because then all of those treaties are absolutely binding. It doesn't make the federal government look weaker on the international stage than it does now. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of... It's a, it's a, it's a good point. And, and unfortunately, the Washington Post reporter doesn't go into that level of uh, detail or backstory as to why there might be uh, some teeth to this. They write, the United Nations has contacted the Trump administration as part of an investigation into whether repealing the Affordable Care Act without an adequate substitute for the millions who would lose health coverage would be a violation of several international conventions that bind the United States. It turns out that the notion that the that healthcare is a right is more than just a democratic talking point. And of course, it's going to be difficult for me to not stop and deconstruct every paragraph by this author. Uh, the classic uh, projection here of right. uh, of the the millions who signaling? millions who would lose health coverage could be about. What about the millions who lost coverage when the ACA was enacted? Where were the concerns over that? Right, the people that had their their rates go up, the people that couldn't keep their doctor, the people that had all kinds of problems with their their existing c- circumstances. What what about those people? Where was the international concern for that? A confidential five page urgent appeal from the office of the UN High Commissioner on Human Rights in Geneva, sent to the Trump administration, cautions that the repeal of the Affordable Care Act could put the United States at odds with its international obligations. The February two memo, which I, the author, obtained Tuesday, was sent to the State Department and expressed. This expresses serious concern about the prospective loss of health coverage for almost 30 million people, which could violate the right to social security of the people in the United States. 
I'm fascinated that there's some third party trying to assert right to social security of United States citizens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the letter. That's fascinating how I, I'm, you know, if, if the framers were going to like, all of this just points to me why the way the framers put the country together is so far superior to the way it's running right now, because the way it's running right now is everybody's a U.S. citizen. The U.S., uh, the United States being the federal portion of government is in charge of everything. And had had the people maintain their position as state citizens and maintain those governments, the United States would not have entered into these treaties to begin with. They would have just said, look, well, you know, we can't force these people to accept health care. If we pass this treaty, it's only going to apply to X percentage of people. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the people have, have abdicated their responsibility to hold the political office designed for them in the constitution, because it's just, frankly, it's a hell of a lot easier to be a U.S. citizen than, you know, be a a state citizen. And this uh, article goes on, though of questionable legal value, the UN letter is at least a bit of moral support for those defending Obamacare. Those attempting to, de- to deny health care to tens of millions of Americans would hurt their own constituents in a way that falls short of the standards we hold for ourselves and other countries. I, I, I'm trying to understand if this person who's writing this is putting themselves out there as a commentator or a reporter. Specifically, Puras, P U R A S, that's the author of this, um, this memo. February 2nd memo writes that article 25 of the universal declaration of human rights quote establishes everyone's right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being including food medical care and necessary social services you got to love that term adequate yeah if we can determine what is adequate we can determine what's not adequate as well he notes that article 5e of the international convention on the elimination of all forms of racial discrimination ratified by the united states in 94 calls on states to quote guarantee the right of everyone including the rights to public health medical care social security and social services without regard to race or color the special rapporteur also cites article 12 of the international covenant on economic social and cultural rights under which states have quote the core obligation to ensure the right of access to health facilities goods and services on a non-discriminatory basis especially for vulnerable and marginalized groups i mean the whole groupthink going on or not groupthink the 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 idea of of governing oneself and and your and one's constituency based on needs of special groups is is just that's that's the rabbit hole you go down where you get into worshiping of gov- the benevolence of of the UN Corey the benevolence of 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 the United States and Obamacare must be lauded the agreement was signed but not ratified by the United States which is still obliged to refrain from acts that would defeat the covenant's object or purpose in conformity with the Article 18 of the Vienna Convention on the Laws of Treaties. Anyway, I just found that fascinating that, the, that, that mainstream media would raise the flag of international treaties uh, that, you know, that forget what you know, is happening in your own backyard. You got to worry about what they think in Geneva about what's happening. And you make right. a good point, though. I got to give you credit. Hey, they might have a, they might have a case. As, well, as I, U.S. I citizens, you're, you're, you're a D.C. guy. You're a D.C. girl. Right. I I'm, I really do think that the um, uh, the courts would like, for example, I mean, you just take Faith Pennington. If 
if a, a thing for social security, if that is something that would be a, you know, a right that they have to have, why was it so difficult for her to get it? Yeah. It, right. Why, why was it, was she not considered human or as, uh, as some other people have said, she didn't prove she was a U.S. citizen yet. You have to prove it. Well, there, there was no doubt where she was born. No doubt at all. Nobody doubted that. And uh, it took a court order and a delayed certificate of live birth uh, in order for her to get a social security number. The The thing that really popped out, Todd, was when you read right Article 25, you re- that reference where they reference right to an adequate standard of living and then kind of um, yeah. paraphrased a little bit of it. If you go to the – I sent you a text. If you go to Article 25 – ClaimingHumanRights.org. This is the uh, the human rights, um, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's you know obviously on a UN website. Hmm. But if you look at the the what it says after necessary social services, the right to security in the event of unemployment, sickness, disability, widowhood, old age, or other lack of livelihood in circumstances beyond his control. Motherhood and childhood are entitled to special care assistance. All children, whether born in or out of wedlock, shall enjoy the same social protection. That's really fascinating because that section two is in direct contradiction to the um, uh, the common laws of England. So, if and look at the the CIA World Factbook where it talks about the system of government for the United States. Mm-hmm. And it will say the common laws of England. And there is a different, unless, you know, there's been a, a judicial decision that affects the common laws of England that would affect this land. Um, people born out of wedlock are, uh, are, are not of the same social stature as people who are. That's, I just found that fascinating. I wonder how the courts would, uh, especially the, you know, the, uh, the Supreme Court would argue if a Article 4 citizen, somebody who's already recognized as a citizen withstanding to challenge a treaty made by the United States, um, whether or not that the, the participation of the country in such a uh, uh, declaration or some sort of treaty that would obligate the the country would be valid or not. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. I think that the short answer to your question about the common law citation is that, well, while it may be cited on the CAA fact book and uh, a fundamental attribute to system of governance within the uh, United States and United States of America, um, it doesn't really apply as much in the United States, it being the common law, because that is an administrative division now. The 14th Amendment changes I, it and it twists the, the whole uh, protection of rights into a pretzel. Yeah, and uh, uh, the well, the 14th Amendment, all it did, all the 14th Amendment does is it now says that, hey, if you want to say you're from the District of Columbia as a citizen, you can. That's all it did. It didn't infringe on any of the rights of the states. It was just that now the states have to recognize that I think there was, what, 32 or 34 at the time the 14th Amendment was passed, 
that these 34 states, they have to recognize citizens of each other, but now they also have to recognize citizens of the District of Columbia. The unique thing was the District of Columbia was already operating in the state, so it's not a, a geographic uh, thing. Very few people who are from the District of Columbia are actually from the District of Columbia. They were born somewhere else. And they're just saying that because it's how we've all been brainwashed into saying it. Well, more importantly, the the you said the, that the states need to recognize the citizens of, of D.C. and by and the Fourteenth Amendment also more than recognize guarantee that they're that the states can't violate the rights of the D.C. citizens. However, D.C. can violate those rights all day long. Right. Right. That's the critical well, distinction there. Like yeah, there's new there's, class there's of citizenship no of DC on the DC yeah, citizens, right? Right. So rules for us, rules for them. You know, yeah. seminal moment. Um, but they need to have your um, consent. You know, the uh, I, I haven't dug into this too deep, but I know I think it was called the Townsend Maternity Act. I can just do a quick check on it. If, uh, but it was the precursor to um, Social Security, and. Uh, hmm. Have you heard of this? You've talked you've talked about it before, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shepherd Towner Act, I think that's what it is. The Yeah, Shepherd Towner Act. And uh, it was originally found to be um unconstitutional. It being the te- the original act uh because I forgot exactly how it I'll have to go back and research it. But basically there was um one of the precursors, it may not even be the Shepherd Towner Act, but one of the uh, attempts during the progressive era to get a national tax that would be for retirement and all of that that would sound good. Of course, they wouldn't have to use the money for that, but that's what they would sell it on. Is um, was a, just a mandatory thing that applied to everybody, no matter what, and there was no need for voluntary participation. And that didn't wasn't renewed or or for whatever reason it it didn't pass or became found unconstitutional i forget how it happened but then they just came back again with social security and then made it voluntary and then the government sent people out which we're still paying the price for it today the government would send people out into the bayous of louisiana and you know everywhere out to people who um were uh you know uh, uneducated they weren't really connected to communications and sign people up for wealth or for social security. And it was very easy, but it just required a manual act that became voluntary. You know, they're going door to door signing people up. Well, when those people died, I don't getting off on a tangent, but when those people passed away, the, the, there was nobody issuing death certificates. So you still have some of those people with valid social security numbers that are like, you know, 108 years old or, or 98 years old, or anyway, they could have been sure. dead for a long time. And if there was no Social Security uh, measure in place, the death certificate wouldn't really matter. You know, more Right. It wouldn't more, matter. The federal government would yeah. have nothing to do with it other yeah. than a census every 10 years. Right, right. And, well, um, and, and that would be it. But those, you know, that, that's something you can do a search on for Social Security uh, and voter fraud and everything else that that affects people using social security numbers that just 
there's no death certificate for him. There's there's no end in sight unless the government finally steps in and says, well, we are going to declare that nobody's allowed to live beyond 130 years, so we will automatically delete a, a social security <laughs> number. See, the law isn't the law cannot presume when somebody dies. Right. So that that's the problem is they're going they can't just say okay this one particular one we're going to get rid of they have to uh manage it in a way where they'll say okay we're going to declare nobody can live beyond 130 years. Sure. Be careful what you ask for there. It sounds like they might do that. Um you know this, well, this they, yeah. you know they already have, right? I mean huge massive die-offs in there. That was in the New York Times. I missed that. What what do you mean? I'll look it up and send it You're to you. You're saying that law was created that you just talked about? No, that for budget reasons, when Social Security was submitting uh, uh, budget projections to Congress, they put in massive die-offs. People that are alive today will continue to live a normal, uh, uh, a normal life cycle into their 80s and, and so forth. But people who are... Uh, I guess this was like three or four years ago. So people who are now 53, 54 years old in huge numbers up until just prior to uh, qualifying for Social Security at the time, huge numbers of those people will die by the time they're 65. Millions of people. I'll look for it and send you the article. I, I, I still don't understand what the... Th- this is just a, a statement of, of opinion, right? This isn't an actual act taken by a government body. It's not an act. It's budget projections from Social Security, official budget projections oh. of how they're going to... They're predicting die-offs, huge, is what you're saying. Predicting huge die-offs. Huh. You know, it's interesting you say it that way because I just got back from Canada, and I want to talk about that, but a person I talked to who I met there was is a exercise coach, and, and, and she was talking about how people in there, the baby boomers in Canada are the healthiest in the country. Like six, seventy-year-old people are really, really healthy, and right. that it's the millennials and the thirty-somethings that are have all the systemic problems with their health, with their back, with their allergies, with their, um, you know, uh, eyesight, just all kinds of different issues that they have. Right. And, and she's like, it's because of the the nature of of the food supply that they're, they're these are the kids that were raised on, you know. Uh, plastic pieces of snackables for lunch and just you know crap for for a food diet whereas the the uh the the, the boomers at least in canada she says are are a lot healthier and i thought is that true in the states it seems to me like the boomers are the ones that are falling apart more but she pointed out that no you watch what's going to happen with the younger people coming up they're going to have even worse health problems wow i was like oh geez uh it tie off on this uh this worshiping government because i just i was I've never heard a president bring that up, you know. Right. We we don't worship government. I mean, even though he is still a statist to a large degree, that's still touching. A th- just just introducing that thought into people's heads, you know, from the podium at a at his first uh, uh, school commencement speech. That's that's got some value, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, th- this uh, just had a piece published uh, two days ago by Jeffrey Tucker. He's the uh, the, the director of the um, Foundation for Economic Education, a website, think tank I highly endorse in terms of people subscribing to. It's fee.org, fee.org. He wrote this piece, Trump defiles the sanctity of government and it drives the center left mad. It's a fairly extensive piece, but he he goes on to talk about um, 
for the, for this crowd, meaning the the, the center left, uh, all their hopes and dreams are bound up with the particular political processes, outcomes, and institutions. The state is their favorite tool for all the good they aspire to do in this world. It must be protected, guarded, defended, celebrated. The illusion that government is not a taker but a giver and the source of all good things must be maintained. The gloss of the democratic process must be constantly refurbished so that the essential sanctity of the public sector can be constantly cited as the highest calling. The center-left at least has, has at least 100 years of work and resources invested in the state's health, well-being, reputation, and exalted moral status. Nothing must be allowed to threaten it or take it down a peg or two. Any failures must be deemed as temporary setbacks. The slightest sign of some success must be trumpeted constantly. The population must be subjected to unrelenting homilies on the essential holiness of the public sector. Their education told them this. Their degrees and ruling class pedigree were hard-earned. This is what has inspired them. They believe so strongly that they can make the world a better place through the managerial state that it has become their religion. It's their very core. And above all, the president is supposed to represent. His duty is to reflect and broadcast this sensibility. He goes on. It's it's a really well-written piece, and it's super timely with regards to how... uh, you know, that Trump even said that out loud. Um, and he takes Trump to task big time. He's no big Trump, you know, uh, fan at all. Um, and, and I think he wrote this before Trump even made those comments. So anyway, it's interesting timing. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. I mean, you see that the, the same type, at least for me, I see the same type of indoctrination, the mental indoctrination from religion it ends up with uh, a certain type of reaction if you question that religion. Like you can see people, you, it's very difficult for people who are very, I don't know, um, indoctrinated into an organized religion for them to have just a plain conversation about reality, uh-huh. uh, deity, and so forth. It, it can become uncomfortable for them. You think? And, yeah, and I see that all the time with people, especially people in government, how uncomfortable they can become when you just talk about something that's like right in the Constitution. It's not a big deal. You know, it's not like I'm making this up. It's right here. Here's laws. Here's here's envelopes. You know, here's uh, history. Here's all these different things that says I can be a citizen of this government and you have an absolute obligation to guarantee that this government exists. Um, That is something that is viewed in the same way as uh, a person being challenged with their deeply held religious beliefs. I mean, heretic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts. So you see this indoctrination. I when uh, I got my hair cut um, a couple weeks ago by a wife of an LAPD officer, hmm. and I didn't know that until you know, she started cutting my hair, and uh, I forgot how it came up in conversation. But she said one of the most difficult things is you have police officers who th- who take it personal when people violate code. Well, she said law, but, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's some sort of slight against them personally if you challenge whether or not a code is uh, Appropriate. valid or, yeah. you know, it's just, no, you follow it and I'm here to tell you, you have to follow, <laughs> you know, do not defy my authority. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, well, that's kind of what this, 
this article is kind of talking about too. It's just it's, right. it's, it just assaults their psyche. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Um you know the uh you've talked about it before and this is it being that that uh piece of statute or I don't know what do you want to call it it was the the warning of communism in California. Oh yeah. Yes. We have it linked to Under it. Under assault again. Yeah, we have we have it linked at our website under uh, resources, and you go to uh, I think it's um, just generally at resources. Yes, Cal- California Code one hundred two seven point five, the communist threat, and uh, the legislature of the state of California finds that there exists a worldwide revolutionary movement to establish a totalitarian dictatorship based upon force and violence rather than upon law. It goes on to talk about this. We've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. recently uh, it came to my attention. Uh, it was actually a headline on Drudge, believe it or not, from the Sacramento Bee. The um, California may end a ban on communists in government jobs. I sent yeah. This, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see if this video clip plays. May open. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker and colleagues. AB 22 is a cleanup bill that removes archaic and outdated references to the Communist Party in our state law, specifically those stating that a public employee may be dismissed from employment if he or she advocates or is knowingly a member of the Communist Party. These archaic references should be removed from existing law and updated so that the law focuses on the actions of individuals and evidence of their conduct. I respectfully ask for your I vote. Thank you, Mr. Bonta. Mr. Allen, you are recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This bill is blatantly offensive to all Californians. Uh, In my district alone, we have the Vietnamese Americans who had to flee a communist regime, which is why they're now in Orange County. You take a look at the number of people that communism has killed in the 20th century alone, it's over 90 million. Communism stands for everything that the United States stands against. We're for freedom. We are for justice. We are for democracy. We are for the rule of law. And communism is none of these things. To allow subversives and avowed communists to now work for the state of California is a direct insult to the people of California that pay for that government. I urge you no vote. Thank you, Mr. Allen. I think this is coming up in, uh, for a vote. In June, or I don't know when. Wow, good find. Well, it was, you know, it wasn't that big of a, I mean, it just caught my attention. And of course, I am not one to want to fear monger. And, you know, somebody should, you know, if they, if they are a member of the Communist Party and they get elected or they want to work in the, you know, the county office. I mean, it's funny. I, the people that, the, 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 the people that are running government are more like communists than they're not already. Right. So the the very last paragraph of 1027.5 yeah th- this whole uh, warning is in the context of a portion of the code that is grounds for dismissal. Hmm. So they went to a lot of effort to say look this is what's going on and 1027.5 is only part of it mm-hmm. but there is a huge amount of information to read in there about the absolute existential threat to our government and communism is the antithesis to a republic um but the very last says there is a clear and present danger which the legislature of the state of california finds is great and imminent that in order to advance the program policies and objectives of the world communism movement communist organizations in the state of california and their members 
will engage in concerted effort to hamper, restrict, interfere with, impede, or nullify the efforts of the state and the public agencies of the state to comply with and enforce the laws of the state of California. And their members will infiltrate and seek employment by the state and its public agencies. It's a form of war. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to get in and they do it. I mean, uh, uh, the, based on the comments, it's often that, that they also have law degrees. <laughs> Right, that, yeah. that these oh, yeah. people who are, uh, you know, that are there also have a law degree, and and it's bad. There, it is just blatant people who are in government actively talking about the uh, the use of violence. There is a group out here called BAM. It's called By Any Means Necessary. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that? I, I've heard of it. I can't remember why though. Well, it's because these are people in government who are do they will do anything to promote what they call um, protection of you know like it, it, it's putting just different terms on communism or Marxism or Leninism in whatever it is that they're pushing. They're pushing for more state control that as long as they're in control and whatever they say is protected speech and whatever you say if i don't agree is hate speech um and these are people who work for the government quite often one of them is a very uh now famous she's a teacher she's an elementary school teacher and she actively indoctrinates the kids into this thinking and has even used the kids in different uh public demonstrations well, I'll, this whole discussion of worshiping government reminds me of a conversation I had with the county administrator, the highest paid public official in the county, uh, who I knew well, uh, and, and she served a long time. She was in the city as well, and I was getting more and more active in the county uh, side of things, paying more attention to the meetings, you know, showing up, you know, filing FOIAs, things like that. And she had a phone call with me one time and said, you're not going to bring your libertarian ideas into this county, Todd. We're not going to have it. I mean, she knew where I was coming from. I was, you know, I'm right. not, it's not like I'm, you know, hiding my, my uh, perspective. And, she's, and we got into a little philosophical conversation about the role of government. And she just said out loud, I don't trust the public to put up a stop sign. Right. <laughs> I mean, she, tra- she boiled it down for me. Like, you know, I, I am an elite you know, the, the, this we, we we are the ones who know how to do everything. Right. If we could do it all, we would. You know, you just haven't let us yet. We're getting there. We're going to run everything. And the county administrator in Scott County is that an elected position or no, is no, it it's appointed an administrative administrative appointed by the board, a five person yeah. elected uh, board of supervisors. And if you try and supervise inside the board of supervisors, you get castigated for actually asking any questions and making the meeting last a little longer. You know, you're just supposed right. to rubber stamp what the county administrator put before you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this worship of government—it's the theme for today, and uh, I think it bears bears out. It's what we're witnessing. Uh, speaking of uh, lawyers, Corey, you filed a complaint with the Commission on Judicial Performance last year. Yes. When you were in the yeah. courtroom with Gabriella. October. And you recently had some uh, more communication with this office. Can you bring us up to speed? Uh, well, they were just asking for uh, information that they should already have. <laughs> but they, what, what prompted they, the, the retouch here? Was it because you followed up and said, hey, what's going on? Or did they just finally get to your letter and decide to 
poke you? I mean, what, what would happen? So I, I followed up in a way that was trying to remain anonymous, whether they know my phone number or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I would call up and just ask what is, you know, what's the time frame? When, when do you normally handle a complaint? Mm-hmm. Cause the only thing I've gotten was somebody calling me who wanted to have a conversation with me, but wouldn't allow that conversation to be recorded. Who was from, uh, remember when she called while I was yeah. recording? Yeah. You happen to be so, recording the ambient sound in your, in your studio at the time. Exactly. Yep. And well, I was working on a bit for the show and yeah. that's when she called. So it, it happened to catch all of it, which was fortunate. Yeah. Um, but I got an email. Uh, it, well, I forgot when that was. Let's see um, if I can find the email. But uh, I got it right here. You got it on uh, May twelfth. Okay. So so that came May twelfth. Uh, oh N- no no! I've got the email here. I was talking about the one uh, that call. I oh. forgot when that call was. But you know, it was a that call came at a reasonable time. You know, the oh, but, it was within like a month after the the filing, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that, which to me is reasonable. But now we're what? What's October to May? Is that six months? Uh, more than that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, it it just says Emma Bradford. She's staff counsel, uh, commission on judicial performance. Um, she's been assigned the investigation of the complaint dated October tenth, twenty sixteen which you submitted me, submitted to judicial performance. She said she's attempted to contact me by phone, but have not been successful, which is interesting. Um, I'm not really interested in talking to her because I have nothing more to provide, right? I put it all in the letter. Yeah, they should be able to investigate with all the data you've provided. There should be a transcript of the proceedings. You've made specific allegations. Right. They, they, you've named the defendant who's, who's a party to it. And, yeah. they, and they turn around and ask you how to get a hold of the defendant. Right. So More than six months later. Yeah, it's, it's, it's inadequate. Inadequate. Um, but what, you know, what are the next steps? Is there, is there a strategy to make a difference with this or not? <laughs> well, their job, I mean, California has a lot of judges. I forget how many judges there are in California, but there's a lot of judges in California. And, uh, it's a big state. There's, you know, more than 30 million people in this state. And yet California has fewer judicial, uh, uh, disciplinary actions than many other states, much smaller. Either California has judges who don't ever do anything wrong or what they do is they have judges that, you know, really worship the state, which has been my observation. And how is the state going to, you know, go after a judge that worships the state. Mm-hmm. So is, is Gabriella's case been dismissed or is it still in limbo? Um, as far as I know, I haven't had a conversation with Gabriella in, in some time. So, mm. um, as far as I know, uh, sh- her case is still in, in limbo. I, I don't know if her trial has started. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I apologize, but, um, I'm, well, there's no apology I'm, necessary. I'm just curious. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by the dynamic whenever there's a encounter. I'm sure if there was any major information, she would have contacted me. Right, right. Well, I, I wrote a note here uh, doing a little research before the show, and, and uh, it, it's just a little sidebar. The, the term IRS, we talked about them a lot in the last few episodes. Yeah. Uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong. The acronym stands for Internal Revenue Service. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. So just on its face, internal, inside the federal government's how I take that. Yeah. It's internal revenue. And internal revenue existed before the 14th Amendment, before, you know, like if you worked for um, the federal government, you you could be taxed in, and often were on your income. It's internal revenue. It's inside it's the internal. It's, it's inside it's, the federal government. Yeah, yeah. And we just we just don't. The acronym is just IRS. Nobody know you know thinks about what it means. It's much like uh, you know, and I'm, I'm I do need to get to Stewart's tome of information he's been sending me uh, via multimedia uh, devices with audio, video, and and yes. PDFs. And I, I do I will get to it, Stewart. And and you know I, I like what I think you said in one note. Uh, none of us has all the answers, but we're all working on this together. And I, I, yeah. I, I do appreciate that. And and you know, Stuart points out, and I don't think he's the first one, but it's something we always forget, the DMV, Division right. of Motor Vehicles. He points out that there's a division of title. It's, you know, there's there's a division of human statistics and so forth, and that there's a the divide of, of, of from equity and, and law and so forth. I mean, there's lots of ways to parse this but i think these titles of these labels of these agencies mean something more than just the room where they sit and work division can mean dividing something in half into two separate branches in terms of uh, standing he also talked about and one of the things i he clip he sent me which i'm not going to get into it detail now but status standing and process it's one thing to establish your standing it's another thing i'm sorry your status that's internal all right. That's right. you know. That's that's us being self-determinant. That's us making a common law ID, averring Article Four citizenship. There's another thing to establish your standing, which is you know third-party recognition. Then there's process. And this you know one of the people he sent me to listen to is talking about uh, you got to have all three. If you screw up process after you just write back in the soup. Yeah. Yeah. Common sense. I think I thought it was well, pretty good. You know. I would say that, uh, okay, if you're in the soup, on your way out, if you screw up process, you're back in the soup. Right. But if you're, if you were never in the soup, if you've maintained, if if you've maintained a position, uh, similar to, um, Faith Pennington, Mm -hmm. you know, you have absolutely no connection to any federal government or any of its administrative divisions, then, uh, then those protections become positive. Like somebody can't just say, oh, look, we made up this DMV file about you. And then we created this, you know, State Department of Revenue file about you. And now we've done all these different things. You now owe us, you know, state sales tax. Um, They wouldn't, they'd be prevented from doing that. So it's, I think that's an interesting point to make, at least yeah, for a thought, a thought Absol- process that absolutely that that's the framework that the framers saw everybody in. The framers saw everybody from a position of being analogous to Faith Pennington, and that if the federal government came in and did something, then um, you know you would have a a positive uh, protection of the Bill of Rights. That that that's how it was was written when i say you i'm saying that mm-hmm. you know them that that you know these were citizens of the different states not federal citizens 
Well, yeah, we're not really a free country. I mean, come on. So I've been uh, traveling since Tuesday, and I just got back yesterday, and I went up to Toronto, Canada, for the first time ever been to Canada on a business trip uh, for some training on some business uh, advising software called Value Builder. Great couple days, excellent company, very cool, um, very uh, valuable time spent up there. Uh, We took a car. Uh, My business partner, Chris, and a friend joined us who wanted to visit some cousins up there who happened to live in Toronto. So there was three of us. And um, uh, going across the border in, it was 35 seconds at the gate, so to speak, with a couple cursory questions and a reminder to sign my passport. I had not signed it. So no stamping of the passport, nothing like that. You just go into you go into Canada. No 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 worries. On the way back, we get to the uh, across the uh, the bridge by Detroit, and you're stacked up in you know about three or four columns wide and ten or fifteen cars. No, about eight or ten cars deep, and uh, they bring out the uh, the sniffing dog, the German Shepherd, and you know the guy in his battle gear and everything walking by your cars and so forth and. We get up to the gate and they ask us, uh, you know, where, who you are, where are you from, what was your business, you know, why, what, you know, where, how long did you stay, how much money do you have on you? Was the question I thought was kind of intriguing. Oh yeah, you know, how much cash do you have? And then he said, "Oh, um, you guys have been randomly selected by the computer for a deeper search, so you got to pull over." <laughs> oh, that sounds great! Super. So we pull over and, uh, you know, leave your cell phone in the car, you know, take your ID with you, you know, leave the car unlocked, you know, go, go into this, you know, room over here and there's other cars. It's, it's almost like a rental car lot, you know, all these cars, trunks open and hoods open and everything. And, and, uh, okay. And, you know, it's, you're just, you're total sheep. I mean, there's just nothing but just, you know, armature all around you and nothing but intimidation the whole time. And, you know, I was with other people. I wasn't going to put up a stink or ask about, you know, where's, the, uh, you know, probable cause or anything. I'm just, you know, I got to pick and choose well, my they, battles. They don't know. need it at a border crossing. That's the so. question. Is that accurate? No, I, 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 you're, until you've been admitted into the country, they can't stop you, right? They can't stop you from coming in, but your uh, constitutionally secured rights on a border crossing coming back are not the same as once you're already here. And are you talking as one of the people of several states or a federal citizen? Both, yeah. Really? Even as one of the people of the several states, when you're coming back into the country, um, and I'll, I'll try and find something to verify this, but uh, my, my personal belief and I, I think this goes back to that story, you know, about like the king having to prove who he was when he came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's not a Fourth Amendment right to not search anything when you're crossing the international border. If you're crossing from state to state, then that protection exists. But if you're crossing from like Mexico into the United States and you've got a bunch of suitcases with you, you don't have a Fourth Amendment mm-hmm. right to say no. You can't look inside these suitcases. Mm. 
And it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't world for the security guards. I mean, the border guards. I, I get it. I mean, you know, you, you don't want it just to be a sieve and anybody and anything can get through. Like, I don't know, Saudis who came through and, and got on a plane and took some, two buildings down. Oh, wait, is that? Wait. Um, <laughs> no, you don't, you don't want that. Uh, it was, but what's intriguing is just the dynamic, you know, you, you know, for the next, you know, hour afterwards, cause it was a rattling experience. Believe me. Of course. Oh yeah. You it know, is. it was not a pleasant experience by any, and these people did not try and make it pleasant in any way, shape or form. No one dude, no, all about intimidation. One guy to his credit, the guy who did our intake, to try to lighten some things up. I got to give him credit. He was, you know, but I think that's cause we were waspy, you know, Iowans. Right. Everybody else around us had, you know, was bronze or darker and getting drilled hard with the right. questions. And I mean, you know, real hard fingerprinting, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's a little more complexity, I think, than, than these, uh, you know, white bread Iowans coming back across the border. It was, it was, it, we, we actually said to, um, in the car, like the random computer, my ass, they just need some whiteies in there to make it look diversified. Right. Is what our theory is, you know. Welcome to diversity. Yeah, you, you guys will be, you, you, you know, there's three of you in this car. You'll fill the room up pretty good. You know, this will, this will make it balance right. out a little bit. Um, but, uh, it, you know, you, you, so this one guy, Tariq was his name. He's about 25. He gets, you know, vetted and he gets to leave and, you know, they hand him his passport and he gets to go out. And he comes back in like three minutes later and says, my wallet's gone. And one of the guards goes, you know, what do you mean? You know, he started giving him shit and, and the kid goes, no, there's a thousand dollars and my wallet is gone. Thousand dollars, and so we walk out at the same time, and he's out there. And he's keeping a level head, but it's right. it's a this is a crisis, and yeah. and they're you know the border guards are just like laughing at him, just like you know, oh, well you know we should have you should have brought it in with you, I guess you know, and and we talked about it, you know on the way home, like what are the brand? Of, he, he's got no proof he had it before he left the right. car. Right, it makes us think like, hey, we left our car too. What if we had raised our hand and said, "Hey, we if you go ahead and search, fine, but I want to stand by and watch you search." Yeah. How how would have that gone over? You know, that that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you want to play games with people, um you could plant something while your the car is being searched. Of course. You you leave your car. We're just idiots. Just leave. Yeah, right. here you go. Here, leave everything in there. No problem. And not, you know, and I don't know, I wouldn't have thought of this if this kid hadn't had his wallet, you know, gone missing. And I, yeah, and I thought, well, I didn't think of that either. That's well, interesting. Yeah. You just, you just totally, total sheep. And, you know, I thought about this kid. Why would this kid make up this stuff? Why would he want to continue to be hassled by all these guys with dogs and guns? He right. wouldn't, he wants to get the hell out of there. So yeah. I, I, I got to give him the credit. You know, like, I don't think he made this up to look for more controversy. Right. Anyway. Boy, it, I, I tell you, having crossed the border a bunch of times and having done it with, uh, you know, no driver's license and just a common law ID and even crossing the border just when I was younger, surfing in Mexico a lot, you got to plan for that border crossing. You, you really have to have your mindset in, how am I going to get through this border? What do I have? Organize everything so that way you're uh, you're getting through quickly, like clean up your car. I don't know. There's a whole yeah. bunch of stuff that really makes a huge difference. Um, I've very rarely been, for the amount of times that I've crossed the border, it's been pretty rare for me to uh, go through secondary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it sucks. It, it's just like you say. Uh, the, I've been through secondary twice, 
And one was the time with my common law ID. The other one was another time while I was riding in a, a friend's truck coming back from Mexico. And boy, that, that separation from you and your car, that's something that it really shocks me. Because that, boy, if you're going to stand up for that, they are going to cause a huge problem. Oh, can you imagine how they would treat us if I had said, hey, man, I, I don't, I'm not going into the building until the car search is completed and you give me keys back to my car. Then I'll go in. Yeah. Imagine yeah, exactly. how, how imagine how they treat you then. How well right. that you might be at the border for six hours. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah, if you're going to put up a stink like that, you got to be ready. You can't. That can't be something on the fly where you're with a bunch of friends on a recreational trip. Oh, and I, I'd like to that. videotape you guys searching my car too. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. Boy, okay, we got a fun one here, John. Let's get the shackles ready. You got the room ready. Right. Oh, that's what they would do. Yeah, you you definitely would. Uh, uh, would have to be prepared for uh, uh, a legal battle and being delayed quite some time. Well, I handed out several Agenda 31 cards while I was in Canada, but I didn't hand it out at the border, Corey. I just didn't quite get around to that discussion this time. Well, it might have been the Agenda 31 was the reason why you ended up in secondary. No, so. I don't. I, I, I think it truly <laughs> was. They just, hey, let's, we got to throw some... Uh, we need some white people. We need some in here. white people in here, man. It just—it was so bad. Um, it was uh, fascinating, though, and 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 of course, you know, just do a simple search engine search for you know uh, security guards at, at Newark, uh, New Jersey, uh, TSA. I mean, these these are also nexuses of complete criminality. Oh, huge. I mean, just, you know, the, these people are not lily white. They are a mafia at that border. It, there, there was just a huge bust that went on for like two decades within the TSA, I think. Yeah, it's, it's not a, anyway, it's not for the faint of heart. So up in Canada, Corey, they have a, uh, at least in Toronto, they have a microbeer, which is titled the Naughty Neighbor Ale. And so I... Had it had it ordered and I was enjoying it and the person next to me uh, brought up that uh, the um, that it was especially appropriate that us two Americans were drinking the naughty neighbor <laughs> and I was like oh you got me there you know that was pretty funny actually and and um, and, and I said you you you're damn right we are the naughty neighbor I concur a hundred percent you know I mean we, and I've I've you know spent over two decades railing against the naughtiness. In various ways, shapes, and forms. So I, I, you know, I, it's not like I'm just laying down here, but but point well taken. Still and guilty by association. Totally. Oh man. Well, then this they showed me the actual label of the beer online, and it's all about America. I mean, they, they brewed this and named it with this whole thing in mind. So I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, wow. And we got you know nobody likes Trump up there. Oh, they're just they they're they're very very unhappy with with Trump and. I said, well, the, the, the tax on the, uh, on the wood, on the soft lumber, you know, is a blow. And I agree that that's hurt. But, you know, Trump's a lot of things. But I was not a fan of NAFTA when it was implemented over 20 years ago. And we wrote about it extensively. Right. And, yeah. uh, and this individual said, you know, they, 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 she admitted, she goes, We're, uh, we benefit from NAFTA. You don't. So it's been a good deal for us. And I right. said, well, I appreciate the honesty. At least you're being, you know, candid. So, you know, Trump is uh, is definitely uh, on to something there. I don't think it's anything new. Authorities bust a $100 million, what is this link you just sent me? Drug run by current former TSA workers. Yeah. Uh-oh. 
Sorry about that. Stupid thing. It yeah, it gives you more than any other. Hold on, man. Sorry. Award-winning cuisine. Stupid advertising. Uh, yeah, authorities bust hundred million dollar drug ring by current former TSA workers. This is February of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, it was just recent. Hundred million dollar drug ring by TSA. How much of that was in the mainstream media? Almost nothing. Yeah, this did not. No, I didn't even know about this. It's a huge. It's a huge drug ring of people who were in. It was active members of TSA being involved in it. You know, and these are the people that you're supposed to just blindly uh, trust as, you know, your protectors of the American way. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just do what you're told, you know. You must conform. Yes, sir. It is my sworn duty to see that you do conform. Well, I want to thank uh, Stuart for his efforts to uh, reach out and give us some more data. I will try and consume all this, uh, Stuart, and it might take me a couple weeks to get to it. And, and Dr. Tom, I know you're listening as well, and you've extended an invitation. I do want to take you up on that. I will get together with you. Just had some, uh, you know, uh, some family. You've been very, very, very yeah, busy. There's been a lot of stuff going on. And uh, we do want to thank some people, though, and uh, thank them profusely for... Yeah, John Oatkin, he wants a link to the... It's uh, travelpulse.com is where this story is about the uh, $100 million drug ring. Headline is, Authorities bust $100 million drug ring run by current former TSA workers. And I just put the link in the uh, chat room. Yeah, author's name is Donald Wood. Um, Let's... uh, We want to thank some people for their support. We didn't thank them in the last couple episodes. And, uh, oh, do I have the, oh, this is only through April 1st. Uh, the ones you there should me. be two. Maybe I pulled up the wrong ones here. Let's see. Hmm. Let me, uh, let me get that too. Cause I've got them. Here we go. I'll just put them both right back in here. Weird. There's one. That's some Article 4 karma chimes going out to our supporters. And we appreciate the assistance. There you go. You see the one and two there? I got them, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. And let's see. Wait a minute. Oh, you're right. It's March. Yeah, that's old. Uh, Okay, let me go back to it real quick. And. but hang on. Okay, I'm pulling off of the wrong folder. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Here we go. There's the correct one, and there is the correct one. Sorry about that. I was pulling off of... Uh, Damn you, Corey. Come on. <sighs> Come on, dude. All right. Extra Article 4 chimes for everybody. How's that? Yes. Keep those rolling. There we go. You might be listening to us on the playback on the No Agenda Stream at noagendastream.com. We appreciate all you Gitmo slaves tuning in. You can check us out right after the media deep state assassination by Curry and Dvorak, the purveyors of the No Agenda show. And they are on live right now on the stream. They go from 11 a.m. Central till about 2 p.m. Central. And then you can listen to us played back then. So, And, uh, you know, if you're uh, inclined and you find this show enjoyable, entertaining, informative, valuable, 
Uh, in addition to potentially making a donation to support the cause, support the website, support Corey's efforts out in California to avert Article 4 state citizenship, how about giving us a good review on iTunes or any other uh, RSS feed you're subscribing to? Uh, post a few notes. Uh, throw some, throw some uh, comments at it because other people you know, are likely to take a better look, a closer look, if they see some uh, good words there. So we do want to thank the following people. And I now have... In front of me, excellent. And we are looking at Adrian Simmet and Dean Brown and Jason Burke and Lauren Alberts and Scott Carlson. And we are looking at uh, the life of the world. And we're looking at Mitch Lamore and Stuart Brazell checking in. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, looking at 316. And we're looking at. Um, I think that's it. I think we got it covered there. Oh, and, and uh, Colin McRoberts, he threw us a bone. And Esprit Global Missions. Yes, that's a new one. Okay, cool. Yes. Wow, excellent. E-S-P-R-I-T Global Missions. All right, well, thank you, Esprit. Appreciate the support very much. Um, well, Corey, it's, it's going to be a short show today. Uh, I think we've covered what I had on the agenda for Agenda 31. If you're new to the show, uh, check out our mission statement right at our website. You can't miss it. There's an old one and a new one there, and they both still apply. We are. Um, I, I just got an offline uh, message, Todd, that somebody's trying to get in the chat room and they can't get in. I just went into the chat room and it says full. I see a oh, so you know, I know what. what I'm going to guess that because my uh, credit card I use got changed, I haven't updated the credit card there. Ah. I'm guessing I need to pay to play. I'm sorry. I'll get that uh, taken care of. i got to do that with our podcasting uh, metrics uh, tool as well. It's amazing how many things. Uh, more, more, uh, more reason to go with some cryptocurrency. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, it was uh, more evident than ever, Corey, when we were crossing the border, that we are all animals and criminals in the eyes of the government until yeah, proven absolutely. otherwise. It was amazing to observe. And um, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in to Agenda31.org. We'll get uh, more information cranked up soon here for you. This has been episode 132 on May 14th, 2017. And please don't forget to ask yourself, what is your strategy to make a difference?
share and support at agenda31.org